Veterans Affairs reform legislation back in 2018 required the Veterans Health Administration to report regularly on its staffing and vacancy levels. VHA officials generally meet the requirement, but now the Office of Inspector General has found that VHA has made a lot of progress in the accuracy of its reporting, but it still has a ways to go. We get more now from Deputy Assistant Inspector General Lee Ann Seawright. Ms. Seawright, good to have you back. Thank you, Tom. It's great to see you again. I want to get to the bigger picture later on of how this issue affects their ability to actually fill the vacancies. But what you were looking at was not that specifically, but rather how accurate they know what is going on with their vacancies. Is that a fair way to put it? Yeah. So as part of the 2018 Mission Act, VA was required on a quarterly basis to publish their vacancy and staffing information. And also as part of that act, the Inspector General's office was asked to review that and provide recommendations for improvement. So we're now on our third report and looking at this information. And really what we saw through this is, like you said, that VA has made some improvements. However, the accuracy of the information, the staffing information, they acknowledge and they're working to improve that. And so we were trying to look at that and see how off they are. And so, you know, that transparency and the reporting of that information really does still need to be improved. Because where you look around at VA and VHA, they have multiple systems for lots of things. Is the multiple instances of personnel systems part of the issue here? Um, No, actually, HR Smart is the single solution within VA. It is the enterprise HR solution. So they used to use a system called the paid system. And in 2016, June of 2016, they moved to HR Smart. Now, there's been, you know, maybe a slow movement to that, but they are fully under HR Smart. And they're still working to clean that up and sort of change their HR staff's processes from what they used to do under paid, which was more of a spaces management, whereas HR Smart is a spaces management system. Okay, and what's the difference between spaces and faces? Well, the difference is that if I hired you into VA under HR Smart, I would be able to manage your position, what position I hired you in. And it wouldn't matter whether you were in that position or I was in that position. So then if you took a new job at another VA, I can move you into a different position and all your records transfer with you, but I have a better picture of what I'm managing at that specific facility versus knowing I have Tom on my roles, I now just know that I have that vacancy filled. But can either way, and I guess we're talking about HR Smart now because that's the one they use, there's no button they can push just to get a nose count in VHA? So there is a button that they can push to get that nose count, but the data in the system that that button replicates essentially is not correct. So they have still vacancies and positions identified in HR Smart that really are not valid positions. They're either not funded, they're not fully approved. So getting an accurate count of how many positions are truly vacant and what VA can truly afford to fill is still in the works. Got it. So they have basically a data problem more than a systems logic problem, sounds like. Exactly, exactly. So what we found was under the paid system, when you hired somebody, they would create that line item essentially for you. And under HR Smart, they're still trying to do that process. And so that makes it you're duplicating essentially. So if I hired you, I put you in for that position, and then maybe you got a promotion 
but instead of moving you and keeping the position, they replicate that. So it looks like you have two people instead of one. In other words, someone was deputy chief of surgery of nose jobs at a VISN, and then they were promoted to chief of surgery of nose jobs at that same VISN. They would be in there twice. Right. And then whoever you hired to replace them would be in there again. So it just started to duplicate and maybe triplicate positions. Got it. You might say HR smart is a two-faced system or a multiple-faced system. We're speaking with Leanne Seawright, Deputy Assistant Inspector General at the Veterans Affairs Department. And so in looking at this vacancy report as required by Congress, then was it total nonsense or was it off by 5%? What was the result of this data problem that they have? Well, the data problem is still fairly significant. I couldn't give you an, a specific percentage, but just since the end of FY20, the VA has identified over 22,000 positions that they have removed from the system. And they tout that VA has over 370,000 people working within VA. So that gives you a little bit of a perspective. And they're still working, so there's still positions to be reduced. And the bigger question here then is they need to get their data straight and harmonized in all of this, but does this hinder their ability to fill the positions which I think that's the intent of the legislation in the first place, ultimately, is to make sure that all the vacancies are filled so that they can fulfill their mission. Right. I don't think it hinders their ability to fill the positions necessarily. What it really hinders their ability is to really identify what the true need is and to be able to support themselves as they go forward to Congress to say where I really have a capacity need or a capability need. So as, say, the medical requirements of the constituency they serve changes, say it's aging, you might need different types of people to be in VA to be able to help what it is that's the reality of the people you're serving. And so it may be difficult for them to plan and do a strategic approach to HR. Would that be a good way of putting it? Yes, I would agree with that. I mean, what we found in VHA is that, you know, you have 140 different VHA systems out there in terms of hospitals and 140 different ways of how they manage HR. Now, they're doing a massive consolidation and putting that under 18 visions instead of each individual facility. But what we saw was one facility might manage physician transparency through organization charts. And some of those organization charts were very dated. And in another might do it a different way. And so you really did not and still don't have a really consistent picture of what each facility truly needs versus a like to have versus an actual need. And then summarize for us your recommendations. What do they need to do to get around this big data problem? So our recommendations really focus on improving the transparency and the governance of those positions. So one, still working towards cleaning up their data, and then two, developing some policies that actually apply consistent practices in how they manage human capital, how they report vacancies, how they build their organization charts, what they put into HR Smart in terms of encumbered or non-encumbered positions. And did they generally agree with the recommendations? They know this has got to be an issue. Yes, they do agree with the recommendations. And really their response to that is they already have an action plan in place. They're trying to move that forward. COVID put a little bit of a wrinkle in that process for them. However, they are you know, intent on cleaning this up. And cleaning up that data, is it a manual process like face by face or body by body? Or is it something that they can do in an automated fashion by deduping data sets? 
I think it's a little bit of both. I think one, you have to go through each organization and sort of identify position by position, whether it's a valid position or not and, and necessary. And then is it aligned to the right person? And then I think you could probably identify some of the duplication through data polls. Leanne Seawright is Deputy Assistant Inspector General at the Veterans Affairs Department. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview along with a link to her report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. 
And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. 
they're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.